Welcome to a special edition of Business Mentorship, Keeping It Real, in collaboration with Grow Your Biz, an organization that supports female entrepreneurs through peer-to-peer -peer advisory boards. We'd like to introduce you to Susan Cabani, an award-winning entrepreneur who is the founder and CEO of a membership and community platform, Eugenie. Susan is also co-chair for one of the Grow Your Biz boards and joins us today from London, England. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. You know, it's a wonderful connection uh, today, Susan. And I know that you'll agree that every entrepreneur starts their business with a great idea. So for our viewing and listening audience, give us a little insight into how you came up with the idea for this communication platform. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, I think most ideas and most businesses come from an, a problem, right? A problem that the founder has themselves. And um, so ours is, it's, it's going to sound a little bit first world, but uh, I, um, uh, when I first met my, well, when we first married my husband, we were a newlywed couple and I've always been quite type A CEO type personality. So when we got married, I assigned him several tasks that he would have to take care <laughs> of in the household. And one of those tasks was dropping off and picking up his dry cleaning. Um, you know, he, he's a, he works in this, he's a financial uh, investment banker. And so he wears a lot of suits and, you know, everything needs to be dry cleaned. Um, so I said to him, you just need to take care of that because um, I, here, living here in the UK, you guys can probably tell I'm an American, you know, usually just jump in the car, drop off your dry cleaning. And it's not that big of a task here. There's never parking anywhere. Like we all live in a very, you know, it's very small. It's a big adjustment for me. But anyway, I digress. Um, at week upon week, finds he just, you know, where's my suit? Where's this shirt? And I need this. And it just never got done. Um, and I saw a neighbor walking home carrying his dry cleaning. And it, I thought, well, we probably use the same dry cleaner, right? We, we're, it's a, it's a local, local community, local neighborhood. Um, and my husband and I also both. So it clicked to me that maybe we could build a platform where community members could share tasks. So, you know, if I'm picking up, someone else could drop off or, you know, mom's at a nursery and all these just things that we thought that people could share, um, you know, just coming came to, to, to mind. So we decided that we were going to build a task sharing platform. He as a finance guy, me as a as a lawyer, that's my background. Um, and so we found a company here in the UK to help us kind of take that vision to prototype. It's very different today, but yeah, I've got to say that us fighting about dry cleaning brought me to where. <laughs> well, you know, when I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, they say their great idea came around the kitchen table. So your, your idea is very unique in that it was family oriented, right? And you're very true that, you know, we're always trying to solve a problem with our business ideas. Now, Eugenie is now an international platform, and it's used by both memberships and community groups, and I know it's an app. So tell us a little bit about the app development, because I'm sure lots of folks who are in our viewing listening audience are thinking, you know, yeah, it would be really great to have an app, but it's very expensive, it's time consuming, and maybe nobody will use it. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about how things develop to getting into an app. Gosh, yeah. Um it is expensive and it is difficult. And I reckon because there's so many solutions out there today, I think a lot of businesses actually don't, shouldn't build their own app from scratch. They should, um, I guess, test their ideas first with a, another platform. But, you know, as a non-technical founder who has essentially built UG twice, because we built our first version 
um, on a shoestring budget. It was a very different, you know, model in terms of the way we designed it. Um, because also we learned quite a lot from that first, you know, couple of months and, and beta testing and understanding who's going to use it and why. And actually the first idea that I, I shared, which was the task sharing platform, where you're not that anymore. And I do think if we had gone down that path, we might probably wouldn't have made it because <laughs> it's not just about building the app. It's about all the finance and the budget you need to get people to the app. And then if, you know, they don't stick to the app, then you need to get more people to the app. And so there's this whole thing, um, you know, a cycle of building an app and actually making an app successful. I think my biggest lessons learned were, um, and I got this advice from other people as well, was, you know, test something with existing solutions to see if, right. you know, you test your business model, is it viable, will people use it? And of course, sometimes you realize, yep, you have to build a bespoke app. That's just what the business is. Um, but, you know, we've got businesses today who have a membership or community model at the base of their business who use a white labeled version of our platform, we, meaning we copy it at a fraction of the cost. Um, and then they can, and they can test the model and understand if then it's necessary to build its own app. But I will tell you as a non-technical founder, there's so many times where I asked my team for one thing and they delivered something completely different. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like learning another language. Um, you know, you're kind of like, I need this and they, and they deliver And I'm like, where's the disconnect? <laughs> this is not what I asked for. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's been a, a challenging road and it's, you know, there's so many Technology is always changing as well, which right. is why we also rebuilt our app because right. um, the language that we had chosen was becoming more obsolete and we wanted to bring even our early stage business a little bit forward. So yeah, we've actually built it twice now. Um, wow. wow. <laughs> so, it's, it's been so you're a pro, you're an absolute pro at app development. Oh my God, no, I know how to do <laughs> developers, but if you ask me to code anything, I don't know. Yeah, forget you know. it, right? <laughs> so now you mentioned that you're a lawyer and I know that one of your specialties was intellectual property. So tell me how those, um, you know, because we're always talking about transferable skills, right? We've all done something else before we, you know, decided to take that leap of faith into entrepreneurship. So tell me a little bit about how your skills as an intellectual property specialist, as a lawyer, really helped you in the development and creation of the uh, Eugenie app. Um, I mean, immensely in that I'm not the lawyer for the business. Actually, we hired um, more specialists to help us, you know, with all the things that we need to do for Eugenie. But I think understanding data, protecting people's privacy, um, you know, until my specialty also was going to be with sports and entertainment law. So it was all about protecting people's personas and their, you know, kind of identities. Um, and I think obviously with social media over the last couple of years, there's such a blurred line of what's my identity belongs to me and right. what's, what, you know, what's, can a big company use and, and, and appropriate. Um, and so I think, especially because when we were doing our, you know, research phase of Eugenie, of who would use Eugenie and why, one of the big things that actually kept popping up was people were moving away from social platforms because they weren't private enough. And, you know, you know, for example, nurseries and schools, they're not going to use a social platform to host a lot of their content. Churches and religious organizations that we were speaking to didn't want to use that. So the idea of protecting our privacy, um, you know, on a lot of different levels kept popping up. And so having the background that I did, being able to also just reinforce to our customers that, look, I appreciate that these things are important to you and I actually right. know how to protect them for you. So, and part of that is outsourcing, right? It's, I don't necessarily know specifically Brexit changed a lot as well from a data perspective here. 
Um, but in general, the world is more careful about their data and their privacy. So I think having that background definitely helped me understand what I need to be looking for, if anything. Sure. So let's use myself as an example. So I come to you as a prospective client and I have a membership based organization and I'm really struggling with communication. You know, people are looking for things that are easy and quick and dynamic and responsive. And I'm just not providing that to my client base. So what are some of the things that I that you could explain to me about the platform that would help solve some of those problems for me as that organization? So I guess I would, I mean, there's a lot of different things I would ask, but the first thing I would ask is who your members are, right? Where do they hang out? Are they Facebookers? Are they Instagrammers? Um, you know, uh, do, are they most comfortable on WhatsApp? So, you know, we're not a social media platform, but we appreciate that people use lots of socials to talk, talk to their members and communities. And we, Eugenie is very much like a private version of Facebook groups or LinkedIn. So that's what we provide for our customers at that intranet type of system. Um, but if a customer, if you were looking for, you know, a very chat based platform, I might not recommend us. Um, but I would also ask, what is the value prop? What brings your members to your organization in the first place? Like, what is it that they want? Is it peer to peer banter? Is it more content from you? You know, are you, um, you know, a lot of times I think today, and I was actually talking to somebody else about this because a lot of people are creating memberships and online communities and it's not easy. It's, it's actually not a very, <laughs> very challenging thing to do, especially with all, you know, so many people not doing it. So I think fundamentally it's, if it's not working, maybe it's not the communication. Maybe it's what are you fundamentally offering and right. is it something that people value? And if it is, if that's actually the problem, then let's take a look at, at what you're actually doing. Is it email? Are people opening your email? Is it social media? Is it because your content, because Facebook has changed its algorithm so much that mm -hmm. so many businesses that it worked for a year ago or three years ago or six years ago are not getting the same results that they were used to get. So it's about understanding again, are you being penalized by the algorithm or is your members actually not coming and checking in on your content? Right. So there's a lot of things that we make to establish, right? Is it a communication problem or is it just a, People have a lot of noise and they are not prioritizing um, the, the membership. So, yeah, it, sometimes it's a really hard look at actually the business model itself first. And then sure. can yeah. we fix it with communication or the tech tech? So what are the type of things that folks are using Eugenie for? So are they, you know, instead of is it replacing things like newsletters? Is it keeping communications top of mind? Is it a chat? You know, is it an opportunity for, say, me to connect with members in other countries and time zones and all of that sort of thing? Yeah, so we are, our vision is to bring all of that in together to one place for the organization that's using it. So although I don't think email is ever going to go anywhere, email is still the top read thing that people always check no matter what, you know, as long as they're not putting in their spam folder. But, um, you know, a lot, some of our most successful communities communities use email as a recap of what's going on in their community on a week to week basis so that because you're always going to have different types of people in, in any net membership or community. Some people will never check wherever you set up, right? They only want something into their inbox. They're still a very valuable member of the community, but that's just how they are. And then there's other people who are super right. active. So what we say here at Eugenie is we just want to bring that into like one place. So if your members need to access your content right if you're a coach for example and you're sharing lots of content or a mastermind it it shares all the content if they in community is important all the conversation can also happen there if there are other kind of things that 
the business needs to flag. So for example, we have a private members club here in the UK who took our white label model as their members app. It's actually the entire system rather than linking it to other things. Um, well, as what I mean is that our app is where they then can book something else, but that system is built elsewhere. So we end up being the one-stop shop for the customer or the member to get access to everything else. And for a lot of the smaller organizations we work with, it's actually enough and they don't need anything else. Ah. So what, what is this, sort of the sweet spot? Because, you know, uh, I think for folks who are sort of listening to our conversation and they're thinking, oh, well, I must have to have, you know, 500 members or 1,000 members or, you know, how big does my community have to be? So yeah. is there a sweet spot before it comes financially viable to use Eugenie as your communication tool? Um, no, some of our most successful communities are 10 people. And I think that's really? the thing. Yeah, um, I have one that ran their first... Because it's a community, it was an it was an educational community. The purpose was to run a mastermind. Um, they were charged, and it was an expensive, uh, also a course, right? It was twenty four hundred pounds to be in the program. Um, I have another community that's twenty five. It's very active. It's um, a woman who runs a club for women going through menopause, and the whole idea is an intimate club for you know uh, people. She's now going to build and expand the business, um, but ultimately. Um, you know, I wrote an article recently for Community Leader magazine, and I think vanity metrics, I think Facebook has taught us to focus on numbers versus quality. Um, right. And, you know, yes, of course, there's a cost associated with running a membership, whether it's our platform, your own time, because I think that people forget that, right? how much time it takes to, 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 to build something like this. But um, at the end of the day, it's not about number of members. It's, I think, about the quality of the conversations. Now, viability from a financial standpoint, then you have to kind of work back. The smaller businesses, yeah. the smaller communities that are using Eugenie, they're still charging, they're, make, they're profitable. Um, but I guess if you want to charge $5 a month, for example, then yes, you need a lot more members. <laughs> right, right, for sure. Because I think, you know, um, as to your point, communication is usually the top of mind reason for moving to a platform like yourself, you know, ease and comfort, because you're dealing with the security aspects as well. But at the end of the day, it also has to be something that people are going to use, right? So usability is and I'm sure you help folks with the, the marketing of of the, the tool so that they can get engagement or increase engagement amongst their members. Yeah, no, so I mean, this is why we've designed it to look like LinkedIn and Facebook, because they've spent billions of pounds creating right. a user experience that right. people can use right anywhere from like a teenager to my grandma can use Facebook. So right. I think the, once you land in something like Eugenie, you definitely know how to use it. I think the biggest challenge people have is transitioning people away from other systems, right. um, you know, transitioning them away from Facebook or transitioning them away from something that may not work as well, but is good enough to a certain mm -hmm. degree. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess my advice on that is always is that at some point you need to just have one place and you need to people move people away. And as a leader almost just, you know, be understand your longer term vision for your business as well. And not be, I think it's really unfortunate because in the last couple of years, I've seen Facebook groups being taken away from people, Instagram accounts disappear overnight. And of course we're still a third party and, you know, the tech is being run for you, but we're a private company, not a social, you know, social media, we right. think it's free, but it's not. <laughs> no, that's for sure. That's for sure. So tell me a little bit about uh, mentorship, because I know that you really believe in mentorship. You know, we've all had mentors that have helped us in our own businesses. 
And part of the premise of the, the Grow Your Biz peer-to-peer advisory groups is mentoring each other through some of the challenges that we have in business. So tell us a little bit about being a co-chair for the peer-to-peer advisory groups. And what does that mean to the group of individuals that are part of your group? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I started out in Grow Your Biz actually as a, as a member. So I have gone through the entire journey. Um, and I think what attracted me to it was having the ability to not just get I've always had Barbara, who's the founder, you know, she's been phenomenal, you know, in mentoring near and wide. I think she helps every single member of Grow Biz, even though it's such a big organization. Um, and it's been crucial to understand, you know, to be able to see other people's challenges and problems so that I cannot avoid making those mistakes. Right. Um, and I think that's been quite important. But from a peer to peer aspect, I think it's, you know, we're each other's mentors. And because we're going through the same thing at the same time, it's just super relevant and it makes you also feel like you're not alone um, right. to a certain degree. So uh, I'm not sure if I'm hundred percent answering your question perfectly, but I, you know, I really believe in that model in, in trying to work with not only getting mentorship myself, but giving back to other women who can uh, then again, making some, avoid making some of the mistakes that I've made. Well, you know, I think what's really important in an advisory group, because larger companies have advisory groups, right? I mean, they they sit down and they do the roundtable thing, they brainstorm, they come up with solutions to problems. So I think what's really innovative about being part of an organization such as that is you've got different people from different businesses who also bring their experience to the table and being able to discuss things and come up with real-time solutions I think is really very important. And I'm sure that now tell me a little bit about who would be a mentor for you. So I mean, you know, you're a very accomplished entrepreneur, you've been on this journey and on this road, you know, we all start in the trenches. And you know, we make all make mistakes. um, And we just keep sort of picking ourselves up and moving forward. But in terms of mentorship, if you had to give someone that you sort of looked up to when you were in that sort of beginning stages of business, who would that be? Gosh, uh... I d- it's so difficult. Um, I mean, because there's lots of people, right? <laughs> so many people. Yeah. And I've been fortunate by you know having so many people help me along. I, I think I, there's no specific person I would say, but I think any female founder who's been able to successfully raise a decent amount of funding and 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 kind of move the dial forward in that whole uh, investment for female founded businesses, I think would be is someone I would look up to because it's such a skewed uh, world still, like we're still getting a much smaller percentage of the funding that's out there, even though female founded businesses are more profitable sooner and do well longer. Um, So I think that, you know, I was actually, there's this one woman here in the UK um, and I fortunate enough, she has agreed to give me some light mentorship, but she built a business from scratch, um, found the funding for it and exited the business as well. So um, for me, I think that would be um, phenomenal to kind of get someone to guide me through because we're about to raise uh, our seed round. Um, You know, Eugenie has built everything. I think the pushback I sometimes get, and I get it mostly from guys, I shouldn't be completely uh, gender biased, but it's true is you should have raised more money sooner. And I think if I had, I would have built a very different business that maybe wouldn't have been successful. Um, we've gone very slow, but we've done a, all of our marketing t- until a couple of weeks ago was organic referral based marketing and, and sales. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think having someone else who's been through this process from kind of building the business, raising funds and then exiting would be um, an amazing mentor for me. So tell me, you mentioned, uh, you've given us a little bit of a, some insight there that you're getting uh, ready to, for expansion. So 
I'm sure that as part of your expansion plan, you're also looking at increasing the dynamics of your team. So tell us a little bit about what expansion looks like for Eugenie. Yeah, well, we hired four people this year, which has been um, quite That's huge. <laughs> yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, I mean, mostly up until this year, it's been me and my tech team, essentially. So I handled everything and then they would build me the tech. And um, so we're starting to bring on sales and marketing um, team members as well. Um, I think, you know, despite the fact that there's all this noise out there that there's people need jobs, it's been a very difficult year to find good talent, um, I will say. And I don't know, I've been talking to other startups and founders that have also experienced that. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, it's now, we spent the last few years really trying to build Eugenie, and there's always room for improvement on the tech, don't get me wrong. There's always going to be another version or another feature. Sure. But I think where we're at at the moment is I'm starting to feel very comfortable that we can start to scale the product as it is. And... Um, the biggest challenge we have is not enough people know about us, which I think is a lot of people's challenge. But, um, for, for me, the expansion will focus on, um, we've already started to identify our talent that we'd like to bring on board, which is, I think, quite important because sometimes as founders, you raise the money and then go try to find the people. I found the people, now I need to find the money. Uh, we're going to bring on um, a chief marketing officer. We're going to bring on another couple people on our sales team. We'd like to bring on, um, again, another person who does, on a, from a technical perspective, product experience for our customers. Um, but my biggest vision for Eugenie is that we never take away this, the personalized support that we give our customers because I think ultimately tech isn't enough for a lot of businesses. They actually need right. to understand how best to use it for their business. And we need to just, have, I have to figure out how to scale that, but that's really important to me. Yeah, I mean, to, to the conversation that we'd had a little bit earlier when I said that I know that you give marketing support <laughs> to the people who are taking on your platform, because one of the, as you say, it's really great to have the connection piece with an app that, that you know will meet your needs, but how do you convert the user to a, a friendly environment where they feel really comfortable with it? And I love the idea that you've taken some components from other successful platforms that people are already used to so that it kind of breaks down that technology barrier, right? And makes it a little bit easier for folks to understand. Well, I mean, as so, consumers today, we expect it, right? We, we won't use anything that's too complicated and we'll abandon it before we, well, first of all, we resist to even try it. And then, um, yeah. So in terms of, um, you've mentioned a little bit about bringing on your team and we've talked a little bit about tech and how tech is always going to change. So you're going to be working on that in the background in terms of your business. But for you as an individual, a founder and an entrepreneur, tell me a little bit about how you balance being a founder and CEO of an organization. And, you know, we'll, we'll take the conversation back to just real life and family life. And how do you, how do you make that connection between those two things? Um, I have got to be really honest and I think the pandemic has forced me to do it, uh, almost, um, you know, there, it was, um, I think I was probably on the way to burnout before I was forced to stay at home. So of course, you know, it's, um, and I've heard this from, I think actually a lot more people than you might think, right. Who are like, I don't want to admit, but I really liked that I had to be at home, uh, to a certain degree because yeah. It made me reconnect all that time I was spending running around. It was really good for my business. Don't get me wrong. Right. A lot of today we had a whole team meeting with first time meeting a lot of my team members actually. Um, and we were looking at our website and our domain rating and our marketer said, this is because you were running around for four years, getting, you know, Eugenie's right. name out there. But right. also I was exhausted. I, I, you know, I didn't have time for my family. I wasn't focusing on it. So I think, 
what the pandemic made me realize is actually I do that is important and I do need to make that time and I need to dedicate like turn off at certain times and it's it's harder though when you work from home and whatnot but um, you know I'm being better about turning my computer off at a certain time or just making sure that every week I'm you know having family time I think the bigger challenge probably for me I'm still re wrestling with myself is we don't have kids yet and we want to and I've always maybe felt I've kept pushing it off thinking can I do both can I be a founder and a right. mom um right. but you know what I just I have to I'll do it right there's so many other women right. that do it why can't I so at this point we're kind of like let's just do it well, you know what's really interesting is that I'm sure our, the viewing and listening audience is, is, is nodding their head in agreement because the things that we've been talking about are all real life experiences, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a multinational company or of a startup or of an organization that's getting ready to expand. We're all still people at the end of the day, and we all have very similar challenges and experiences. So one of the things that we do um, on the Share Your Stories platform is we ask entrepreneurs to share three words of advice. And I'm going to read your three words of advice. And I'd like you to tell us a little bit about why they're important. So one is persistence. The second is innovation. And the third is network. Cool. Um, okay, so persistence. If you Building a business is so hard, no matter how many people you have around me. But if you're a founder... And then you don't really, I mean, there's so many other words that come with persistence, right? Really believe in your vision and just persist until, I know we also have to understand when it's time to let go and say, okay, this didn't work out and I'm going to move on to my next uh, endeavor or whatnot. But um, I think if I hadn't really just pushed and been persistent to this business, it wouldn't have gotten to where it is now. Um, and so I think without that, you know, it, it's a lot of hard work and grit. everything has to be innovative people get so bored with <laughs> the same old right things are moving so so fast and so but i think innovation i think i'm going to flip that a little bit on its head is that we don't have to be innovative for the sake of being innovative right so you know we're trying to build a private version of facebook but people know how to use facebook so the innovation is in the privacy protecting the data the the curation and customizing that experience taking it from um, the way that Facebook has presented groups and community and making it more our own, almost going back to basics. So I also think we need to look at innovation in different ways. Um, and then finally with network, a hundred percent would not be here if my network didn't support me in a million and a million different ways. So, you know, they always say your network is your, your network, your net worth is your network. Right. Um, but, you know, going out to our friends and family who invested in Eugenie in round one, we just had an idea and a, and a vision and they invested in my husband and myself to today, you know, people, still send recommendations and you know i haven't talked to a couple people in three or four years and all of a sudden i'll get a facebook message to say hey you need to meet such and such because they can really benefit from eugenie so you know the networking not only from the existing relationships but the new ones that i've created in this journey um 100 couldn't have done it on my own so you know i can't stand here and take all the credit it's definitely been everyone around me that's gotten me here well, I think that's a really wonderful way to wrap up our conversation because one of the reasons why um, I created uh, Business Mentorship Keeping It Real was because we wanted to increase the visibility of founders like yourself and give you an opportunity to introduce the person behind the logo because, you know, I'm sure you'll agree, we spend all this time, money and energy on building a brand and creating the right colors for our logo and all of those sorts of things. And we forget that there's a, a real life person 
sort of behind the scenes and keeping everything moving forward. So I really want to thank you very much for sharing some of that with us today and giving us some insight into um, the platform and being really keeping it real and being very uh, honest about your experience. So I'd like to thank you very much for that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I think, honestly, that's transparency and being, if we're not real with uh, our, you know, fellow founders and with each other, then we paint a picture of unattainable reality. So I think it's really important that you're sharing these stories and people are just sharing how it is. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And to you, our viewing and listening audience, I really want to thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And we hope that the introduction to Susan and her wonderful platform, Eugenie, We'll give you some ideas of how you may like to connect with her in the near future. And we'll put all of Susan's contact information in the various different platforms so that you can reach out to her. And I'd like to send out a special thanks to the Grow Your Biz team for giving us an opportunity to really highlight and profile the wonderful entrepreneurs in their network. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Susan. And I certainly look forward to keeping in touch. Me too.